Yeah, use my voice. My show sucks. Trump fucking rules. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Let's try this again. <laughs> Episode 389 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you for joining us. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and seated across from me, the lovely, the talented, the always ready to go, my lovely co-host, Brittany Page. A lot of problems. A lot A lot of problems. (laughs) If you are a Patreon supporter and you were on the live stream, you saw us recording episode 389. There is a a recorded episode. I mean, it's spotty because the connector kept going in and out. I mean, it was insane. Yeah, there were certain points where you looked at the computer screen and it just wasn't recording. So we were sitting here talking into the microphones and for our own it was not being recorded so that isn't helpful when you're trying to record a show (laughs) to say the least that is not helpful yeah so that that didn't work out very well but we appreciate you all being patient with us because it was pretty disheartening well it's a bummer because also it was sunday Mm -hmm. was our four to the day our four-year anniversary of the show yeah (laughs) <laughs> I don't know if that's a harbinger of things to come. Yeah, Don't say that. I said I don't know if it is. Yeah, but... Yeah. I didn't say, oh, we're fucking doomed. Yeah, you shouldn't even bring it up, though. Oh, I'm that's saying. it. Ignore the possibility. Yeah. Don't talk about it. The possibility. See, what are you doing? It shouldn't even be a possibility. <laughs> what is this? This is the power of now or something. What is happening? Think, think positively. Hippie, do you want to stop and is go that meditate what, or something right now? Is that what that's right about? Don't make fun of meditation. Everyone meditates. Um. Everyone meditates. <laughs> uh, and I'm not making fun of it. It's just a little hippy-dippy. Yeah. Is the power of now about the positive thing? Is that I don't the book? fucking know. Do you think I'm or is that the secret? Self help book the guy. I don't know. I okay. don't know. Okay. Well, <laughs> what do I know? It's one of them. So anyway, can we? <laughs> you want to talk a little bit about the four year anniversary, even though it's yes days removed? Yes. Let's talk about it. <laughs> so. Uh, wow. We tried to talk about it a little bit on uh, the episode that we recorded. That's now gone, but. It's weird to think that we've been doing this for four years. I I think when we started doing this, we didn't know what would become of it. In fact, uh, someone just commented in the, the Dollamore listener group on Facebook that they uh, went back and listened to the first episode because there were no new episodes. Wow. And I always cringe when someone says that because I think we... You knew what you were doing from the beginning, probably, but... um, No, I didn't. Not at all. I feel like we've... I still half the time don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah, I feel like we've had to come into this. And it's it's been difficult. And at times, it's still difficult. I I say things that I don't mean to say, and I won't edit it out, and... (laughs) That happens fewer times with me. Yeah, um... Yes, of course it does. So No, not because I don't say shit that should be edited out. Mm-hmm. It's just I'm less worried about it. Right. Well, 
whatever. Um, but yeah, I think I think we're, we are most surprised. I get why am I talking for you? I am most surprised by the growth of the audience. And I still remember when we got our first voicemail um, from someone who wasn't a friend or family member, someone that we did not know personally. I believe their name was Charity and they were from North Carolina. They were a high school student. Yeah. <laughs> and it, their question was, is this racist? Yeah. Good times. And I remember getting our first international um, communication. Yeah. And it's just been so amazing to hear from people all over the country, all over the world about different issues and start this conversation where listeners feel like they can write in, call in, give their opinion, respond to other listeners that have called in. And it's just this really cool thing to watch happen. And I am thankful that people care enough to continue listening. Um, I talked about it last time, but the every time someone sends me a picture of them wearing a classy laid t-shirt, I get kind of emotional because <laughs> it's so um, amazing to me that like a dumb thing that I say um, on the show, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's surreal. That's a that's a- yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy. So it, it's just amazing to think about four years and. Um, we really owe it all to the the people who take the time to listen. So I, I about the communication thing. I think it's great the fact that well one thing feeds the other. We wouldn't have the platform that we have now. We wouldn't have the reach that we have now, or the the, the giant audience we have now if it weren't for the audience. And I think the, the 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 thing that we do a little differently than a lot of shows is allow the 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 audience to sound off to to get their their viewpoint on the record to help us move the conversation forward mm-hmm. and reach tens of thousands of people in the process right and so that i think is a benefit for someone in mississippi or georgia or alabama mm-hmm. oregon here in california somewhere massachusetts mm-hmm. overseas yeah that uh, an opportunity they wouldn't have. But then in turn, we wouldn't have the opportunity to even fucking do this if it weren't for the audience. So it's just a, it's a beautiful, you know, cycle that mm-hmm. that feeds itself. And I'm I'm super appreciative. And I know you're you're not a giant fan of the early episodes. Mm-hmm. I am because it shows one. We have people who have gone back and listened from episode one, four years ago, mm-hmm. <laughs> when I didn't romanticize libertarianism, I really mm-hmm. thought it was a, a a viable way forward. Right. And, you know, maybe didn't prize evidence and, and uh, you know, data as much as I do now. Yeah. And I thought cops were heroes. You most certainly did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good times. So there has been growth. And also... Uh, you know, to speak for myself, thank you for doing it so eloquently, but I'm, I love the fact that obviously the, whatever amount of success that we've had in this, but we really didn't, uh, we didn't have expectations. Mm-hmm. In fact, for a long time, nobody, I mean, it's, it's hard enough to get even your fucking <laughs> friends and family to listen to this. Yeah, nobody cared. <laughs> nobody cared. Nobody cared. But you know, you you, you got to keep at it. I, I I 
haven't for a while, but used to lecture once a semester at a local community college here on podcasting. Mm-hmm. And it, I used to tell them to don't expect, because all the questions are about monetization and how do you make money and you know, you're going to just automatically hit the ground and you're going to have this big success of a show. Mm-hmm. And I would tell them, ah, don't, if you want to do this, you do it for the love of doing it. Because it's a grind. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of work that goes into this. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's <laughs> not a giant, even now, it's not a giant, you know, sitting back in our loyals, laurels with our with our hands back behind our heads and our yeah, feet no. up on the desk. No, never. You know. Yeah. It, um, it, it, it's not easy, even if you've been doing it for a while. Yeah. So. And I really admire people that uh, speak live on TV every day. Because um, of this? Or on the radio. Yes. After having done yes. this. Yeah. Oh, yes. It's hard. And it it has made me more um, empathetic <laughs> for people who uh, mess up and, and say something that they maybe shouldn't um, because it is difficult. I mean, you know, I'm not talking about like super problematic things that, you know, people like shouldn't be saying anyway. But right. I just like mean. Like the intelligence of the races or something. Yeah. Like yeah. if you if you get a little pissed off and you say something a little aggressive or. What? You know, who? <laughs> I, what do you. I've never. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> it depends. But it's it's difficult. Or even if you don't fully know or understand something and you just start running your mouth about it. Um, well, it's one of the the catchphrases that I really like that I've stolen from Dave Pizarro, who maybe he stole it from somebody else. I don't know. Let's just go with it's his original thought. But it's thinking in public. Mm-hmm. And it, it can be dangerous, especially in this manufactured outrage type of environment that our that our culture has become. Yeah. So. You say one wrong thing, and then... <laughs> and you're you're fucked. Yeah, everyone comes down on you. It's yeah. It's kind of scary. So, I mean, we do have the benefit of editing, but... Not on the live stream. <laughs> not on the live stream. And also, we've gotten we've gotten away from it. We don't edit. We... Very, I'll, very little. I'll edit, edit really hard spots if we cough or sneeze or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but... For the most part, you know, we we leave the the down and dirty, the grit in there, the ums and the yeah. In that way, I think we have become better over four years. Yeah. Before it would be okay. I need I need some time to like think about what I'm gonna say, and now we don't really take time to think about what we're gonna say. <laughs> well, we don't need to as much. Yeah, I guess that's true. But um, yeah, it it, it can be difficult at times, but we. We appreciate everybody and thank you for the ongoing support. And in honor of the four-year anniversary, tell a friend about the podcast if you think they would enjoy it. And if you are listening and you have never communicated with the show, and we know that there are countless people out there like that, because I think they say only like a small percentage of people that listen. One half of one percent or something actually engage. Yeah. I don't know where you got that, but um, so Mm. (laughs) it sounds like it might be right Uh, based on uh, our numbers. So if you have never communicated with the show, we would love to hear from you. Uh, if you ever get the bug, call in, send us a voicemail. We and uh, how would they do that? Uh, 657-464-7609. Wow, very good. <laughs> and how or, else? Or you can send an email or a voice memo to idoubtit at dollamore.com. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Wow, that was great. So listen, everybody, we're going to move on with the show. But before we do, 
Um, we are going to make up for last the missed episode. And we're going to do something we've never done before. Uh, we're going to do it in the next couple days. Maybe a Saturday. I don't know, though, about a Saturday. Maybe tomorrow? What do you think? Well, what I want to do is do a YouTube live stream where we actually take live calls where you can see us with the calls. Because usually what we do is Brittany and I come into the studio and flip on the mics and announce on Twitter and Facebook that we're going to be doing live calls. And then people just randomly call. But sometimes there's 10 minutes in between a call yeah. sometimes. And then we added all that together. Right. But what we'll, I think we're going to do, and not, I, don't, I don't think we're going to do it. We're going to do this. We just got to figure out the time. In fact, right now, while I'm talking, Brittany is thinking of a time that would be good for her. I'm thinking of it so hard. Because I am ready to do it oh, right now. Oh, yeah. Here we go. So... What we'll do is we'll sit down, we'll start a live stream, and we'll say we're taking calls. And then 657-464-7609, people will start magically calling in. And then we'll live take calls. So it's kind of like a, an AMA on YouTube where they live stream, except we'll be taking calls from the larger audience. And then also release that as a podcast if you didn't happen to have time to catch the live. Yeah, I think we should do it on Saturday because I think a weekday... People are probably working yeah. and things like that. So, um, what do you say, noon? Yeah, noon is good. Noon, Los Angeles time. Noon, Los Angeles time. We will be live streaming calls to the phone number, which is once again 657 464 7609. All right, let's let's move on with, with the program here. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about, we, we addressed this, we've been addressing it, but it's this notion of guns in schools. It's this notion specifically of guns in the hands of teachers, as Donald Trump would say, adept, gun adept mm -hmm. teachers. Mm -hmm. My Trump impersonation needs work, Brittany Page. It really does. I don't know if you've noticed that. I have. Well, it's not just teachers that they're trying to put forward of, of having guns in class. And, you know, Mitch, the caller, called in and sent a list of questions that he, he had relative to, you know, liability and are they going to have the weapon? Is it going to be in a safe? Are they going to be able to brandish it? What are the other um, use of force options they'll have with it? What are the criteria for them to break it out? If students are, are fighting, can they grab the gun? I mean, what 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 are we talking about here? What exactly does this entail? Unfortunately, we don't have a president who thinks about things and impanels smart people to develop policies. He just fucking tweets it and then expects it to be immediately and mysteriously made into a cohesive policy for our country. But they're not just talking about teachers. They're also talking about maybe having veterans. Let's have, you know, veterans who are back from from the gritty battles abroad. The horrors of war. Now, not everybody comes back with issues and problems, emotional and otherwise, but many do. And many are not screened, as was evidenced just last week. When a veteran suffering from PTSD, and this isn't to say everybody with PTSD is a violent, you know, uh, potential killer like this guy was, 
But it is to say that, listen, we can't, we can't, we can't raise a police force in this country that doesn't have many, many, many bad apples with latent biases that they bring to the job and end up killing unarmed black men. How the fuck are we going to do it with a, a, a standing army of veterans and teachers with pistols and weapons in the classroom? Especially over the course of the last few weeks, we've had all kinds of teachers misbehaving badly with guns in the classroom. Remember this in Georgia. A Georgia high school teacher faces four felony charges after police say he fired a gun on campus and barricaded himself in a classroom. Officers arrested 53-year-old Jesse Randall Davidson at a high school in Dalton, Georgia, Wednesday. Police say Davidson blocked students from entering his classroom, locked the door, and fired a single shot. He was arrested after a standoff lasting about 30 to 45 minutes. Police say Davidson did not want to involve students. There were no injuries from the gunshot, but one student apparently hurt her ankle while running away from the area. The incident comes a week after a threatening note against the school was found. I think there have been three accidental school shootings in one week. Yeah. With Because there's another teacher in California that just... <laughs> accidentally shot their gun. A lesson on gun safety turned dangerous at a California high school after a teacher accidentally fired his gun in class. It happened at the Seaside High School. Police say Dennis Alexander, a reserve police officer, was giving a lesson on gun safety for his administration of justice class. But as he pointed the gun at the ceiling, checking to see if it was loaded, that's when police say it went off. Three students were reportedly injured. According to KSBW-TV, one student had bullet fragments lodged in his neck. The teacher has been placed on administrative leave from both the school and the police department. Well, that one's a double whammy, Brittany Page. Mm. He's a cop, a teacher, well, triple whammy, and a clueless dick. A careless, clueless dick. This is someone who's is trained. This is someone who is the paragon that they're putting forward. The shining example of someone who should have a gun in class to fend off an attacker. There was no attacker, and kids have shrapnel from around in their fucking neck here. Yeah, I also I saw a video of a cop going through a school shooting blanks from a gun in the hallways to show illustrate to students how gunshots sound so that they can be prepared in the event that there's a school shooting. This is now the state of things in America's schools that they are having cops walk through the halls shooting blanks so that students can hear yeah. what gunfire it. And then teachers are bringing their guns in for gun demonstration. What in the hell is going on? Well, it, it, it's such a weird, and I don't want to chalk it up to it being an America thing, but what the, how, how arrogant is it or short-sighted or stupid or fuck whatever adjective you want to apply to it but that other countries have solved this problem. When the AR-15 is used in a, a, a preponderance of these crimes, of these massacres, assault weapons have been used. Rather than ban the assault weapon, you're like, well, listen, 
here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a cop roam through the classrooms and fire a gun. It'll be blanks. Don't worry. But we need the kids to know what, what a firecracker versus a gun sounds like. No, how about you just get those guns off the goddamn street? Make them uh, more difficult to purchase. Uh, strengthen background checks on a universal basis where people who have a history of violence or mental illness that would preclude them from owning a weapon precludes them from owning a goddamn gun. Well, and this is just really <laughs> increasing. I mean, it has to be increasing the anxiety levels for these children in schools that they have to. I mean, they know what's going on in the news. They yeah. hear about these stories. Some of them have personally experienced it with either threats or real situations at their schools. And then they have these things happening as well with the cops shooting the blanks or their teachers mishandling weapons or they're hearing reports of teachers mishandling weapons. And what a, what a terrible distraction from what school is supposed to be about. Yeah. They're supposed to be there getting an education. They're not supposed to be concerned with these things. I remember when I was in school and we had to do these drills where you prepared for a school shooter hmm. and you did not have these no did not have these and they i went to a high school where there were rifle racks in the back of trucks and people had their guns in their cars <laughs> yeah good times and and i'm not fucking around that's the real deal that was the real thing yeah, yeah. and and even when we had those drills that was stressful to imagine that happening and it it was less of a thing when I was in school. Yeah. Um, but I remember they would tell us to turn off the lights, go over in this corner, away from the door, hide under the desk. <laughs> and I would tell my teachers, I'm like, I'm not doing any of that. <laughs> you wanted to be Jason Bourne. Yeah. I'm like, I'm picking up this desk. I'm throwing it through that window and I'm jumping out of the second story window and I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm running home. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. So you guys can sit in here. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> You'd survive the, or your ankles would survive the 20 plus feet fall. Well, that was when I was young and spry, like right. a cat. You're, right. You're like yeah. a squirrel. I always You'd land just, on my feet. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but seriously, it, it, it's, it must be very stressful, incredibly stressful. And I, I feel well, terrible that, that kids are having to entertain these thoughts and wonder how they're going to survive and how they're going to help their teachers and how they're going to help their friends. And, and this can happen anywhere in America, Parkland, uh, Parkland, Florida, is a wealthy Palm Beach suburb of Florida. It's a wealthy area. That is middle and upper middle class. It's not fucking Aleppo or some other war-torn area globally. This is our wealthiest communities. This is our, our, our poorest communities. We have a gun problem in this country, and it is being fed right now fed by the NRA on my YouTube channel. It is NRA 24 seven in the ads prior to the videos. I get told on a daily basis <laughs> by people. Yeah. Because people are alarmed by it. Like what the fuck? Well, I tell them, let them waste their money. They're not going to convince my audience. Yeah. 
No, you hand selected that ad to play before your yeah, video. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is. I think what people think. Yeah, like I have some control over YouTube. Right. I only want Chevy ads on my videos. Yeah. So, but in addition to <laughs> with my measly fifty-eight thousand subscribers, <laughs> Jesus. Just in case, just in in addition to, I want to add this in there. It's not just incompetent people that could get the get the guns in terms of teachers or whoever else. It could also be dangerous people. Yes. Racist people. Sure. Like this teacher in, I think it was Florida. Yeah, Florida, who was saying racist things in the classroom using the N-word. Quote, if your boyfriend says bad things to you and or treats you wrong, that means he's acting like an N-word. You all should be dating all these different, you should not be dating all these different African-American boys because they're not worth it. Okay. Teacher, and by the way, only suspended for like 10 days. Suspended. He wasn't fired. Do we want to give that guy a gun? So if there is a skirmish between two students, one is white, one is black, let me guess who that guy is going to fucking blow away. Let me guess that black kid's not worth it, quote unquote, using his words. Like I said, we have an endemic problem in america with police brutality and these these are men and women who are trained extensively who go through anti-bias training implicit bias training who are should be steeped in knowledge about the rights of the suspects not of the guilty of the suspects because they are representatives of the, I'm going to go off on a rant. I'll have to stop here, but they represent the government. They should be chiefly concerned about the protection of constitutional rights. Eh, It doesn't always seem that way though. Anyway, I just wanted to talk about this because as time goes forward, we're going to be encountering more and more and more teachers because now there's a spotlight on this very issue. We are going to be talking about this going forward, but Brittany and I are going to be attending the the gun reform march. March for our lives. March for our lives on the 24th yeah. of this month on Saturday. If you live in a big city, there's probably one where you are. Yeah. So there, I know there's one in Seattle, one in LA. Certainly and, one in Washington, D.C. Yeah, that's the big one. And I expect LA's to be pretty goddamn big. Yeah, I, I don't know about other cities, but we w- we're going to go. I would I would encourage you to do the same. We are going to uh, bring the cameras. We're going to interview some people, and also just generally, maybe I'll do a live stream if the coverage is good enough. Anytime you get around a bunch of people, um, apparently AT and T doesn't know that I'm I need a good signal when I'm out there, mm. and they. They just let everybody use the signal. Yeah, they're trying to burn you. <laughs> they're out to get you. So anyway, we're going to be going to that. I would encourage you all to do the same. We will talk about it between now and then. Um, we got big problems. We need big solutions. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. 
Galen. Galen. Mm-hmm. And I think there actually were some from last episode, the last recording that we did, that we didn't name. Or not that we didn't name. We named them, but that episode didn't make the air. So who are they? Henry. Henry. Taylor. Taylor. And Amanda. And Amanda. And I think Henry and Taylor. Mm-hmm. Upped their pledges. Correct. I th- In fact, doubled their Patreon pledges. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, you guys. Mm-hmm. And then Amanda is brand new. Correct. Thank all of you. Thank all of you. Brittany should thank all of you. <laughs> Thanks all of you. We appreciate it so much. Uh, again, you know, the fourth anniversary of the show. We're looking forward to m- more years, many more years. Uh, that almost sounds like I'm not committed to the to riding this thing out. <laughs> But we are we we are looking forward to to years more of this and more episodes, getting to know you guys more and better. And uh, we can't we can't say thanks enough for all the support of the show and helping us and you taking part in moving the conversation forward on an episode by episode basis. If you are not ready to give on Patreon and you'd like to to support the show, you can buy some merch at dollamore.info. You can also shop on Amazon. Just shop on Amazon like you normally would. dollamore.com slash Amazon. You're not going to spend any more. And if you're going to spend your money there anyway, why not support your favorite show? It better be your goddamn favorite show filled with news. News. And ridiculous comment. That's... That's us. That's what this is. Dilemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So we talked about this last time. I'm going to quit saying that. There's a lot of things we're going to talk about coming up that we talked about last time. But since you didn't hear it, it doesn't fucking matter whether we talked about it last time. Megyn Kelly sat down with Vladimir Putin once again, a second time. Perfect. You know, it's a weird deal with her because she she was very emphatic when she started this new talk show, her Ricky Lake show that she does like in the, <laughs> the 12th hour of the Today Show. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, I don't do with politics anymore. Because everybody was asking her in her run up to yeah. like, what do you think about this? Goes, I'm not doing that anymore. I don't want to talk. I don't know why I'm doing that voice, but. I don't know how to talk about politics. She, and she was very emphatic about that. Mm-hmm. And then she goes twice now and interviews goddamn Vladimir Putin. Yeah, well, she has a, a Sunday show, which is apparently more serious, kind of like a a 60 minutes wannabe, although it's only on occasionally because I, I don't think it's doing very well. Hmm. Um, but I think that she did really well in this interview. I, I was very impressed by it. Putin scares me <laughs> a lot. Um, As well he should. Yeah. He's former KGB. Yeah. I kept, I mean, he at, at one point was pointing to his ear <laughs> and saying, are you... Are you hearing me? I just said in, in like a very shitty tone. Did you hear what I just said? You know, talking yeah, to yeah, her yeah. in a very dismissive, disrespectful way. Like, are you not hearing the translator in your ear? No, yeah. he wasn't even. He's. Are you understanding the words that I'm oh, saying oh, to you? Yeah. Like, it, it, well, he wasn't concerned that the translator was not doing his job. <laughs> he was he was concerned about her mental <laughs> yeah, capacity. Yeah. Um, but she she really took him to task on a number of issues. And I I kept 
imagining and fearing a little bit that there was going to be like a poison dart just <laughs> shot right at her neck. Right. Like some guy just comes around the corner and shoots it right at her neck. And then she just some guy comes around the corner the <laughs> like the, you had a whole thing in your head of how it was going to go down. I mean, y- you never know. It's Russia. OK, there's Russia. people mysteriously dying all over the place. A lot right of now. blow darts being used in Russia. I don't know their it's methods. Their preferred method of execution <laughs> is blow darts. I've seen a lot of Jason Bourne and that kind of stuff happens. <laughs> <laughs> you love Jason Bourne. I do. I want to be him. So I don't know if if this what she said, and I'll just we'll just say it. Get out of the way. Spoiler alert here. She, she said that she believes that, or she got the vibe that maybe Putin does have dirt on Trump. Here she is talking to Chris Matthews of MSNBC, and uh, they're promoting the episode. But you know there were some things here that it's interesting to get someone's take who was on the ground. Mere feet from Putin looking into his eyes and talking to him and getting their takeaways. Is there a bromance between these guys? Do they like each mm. other? Can you read that part? Or is it just really rivals? That's simple as that. I don't I don't I wouldn't go that far. I really wouldn't. I, I would not say that Putin likes Trump. Um, I did not glean that at all from him. I do think yeah. um, I did glean that perhaps he has something on Donald Trump. And if you watch the special oh. tonight, you'll see, you know, perhaps what that might be, because we've done a lot of research. It's not just Vladimir Putin tonight. It's a lot of experts who understand Putin and Trump and the relationship between the two. Um, and so when I was asking him, why do you think Donald Trump never says anything unkind about you ever? I think it's more than just he admires this Russian strongman, Chris. I think, you know, there's a very good chance Putin knows some things about Donald Trump that yeah. m- Mr. Trump does not want repeated publicly. In the dossier, do you think? Or is it going back to money? Is it in hock to him? My money's not on the dossier. I mean, just having done the research we did for this piece and this investigative report, um, I think it has to do with money and Trump's early years dealing with the Russians back in the 90s, uh, yeah. his facilities here in the United States. And, and I ask I ask Vladimir Putin about that as well. So, I mean, it's it's pretty comprehensive. Oh, I did want to tell you that, you know, you I give it to him pretty good on the election interference and so on. And you'll see him dance a bit. Um, yeah. But can you imagine I actually did get a question in about the shirtless Putin and what's up with all that? I'll let you have that that air that uh, line of country. But I did think it's interesting that you've got into something with your questioning and your and your sense of inter- interpreting it. That maybe this Sam Nun guy, Nunberg guy who's thrown out that thing this week that there's something there in Thought the business. That was interesting. End. I really did. Yeah. And, you know, as I watch Nunberg and I watch uh, Eric Prince and all of this, keep in mind, all of this, all of this ultimately links back to Vladimir Putin. That's why we're talking about Manafort and Flynn and Nunberg and all these guys. It's because of what Vladimir Putin did in our presidential race. And let me tell you what he's planning to do in 18 and 20 as well, because when you listen to him talk tonight, you do not get the impression that the man has been chilled in any way from his robust approach to our elections. And that's because we haven't done anything. We've done nothing uh, to push back after his interference. So I feel like she was obviously teasing the interview and it's kind of like that author of the the Fire and Fury book. What was his name? The Wolf, Michael, Michael, Wolf. Michael Wolf. Yeah, yeah. when he said, oh, you guys will see where it is in the book about the affair. He's probably having an affair and you'll see if you buy it, you have to buy it. You won't be able to see it in any kind of free scammed copy. Yeah, you have to purchase it and then find it in the book. And it was kind of like that where she, you know, you have to watch it. And even Chris Matthews, when she tried to talk about uh, the poop, shirtless question. Yeah. He was like, OK, I don't care about this. So anyway, what did he do? Like, how do 
you know? Can you tell us more about the dirt that you got? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't care about the shirtless stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but who knows? I mean, I don't think she would just outright say fabricate something that is so damning of of the president of the United States. Yeah, I don't think she would do that either, but she clearly uh, wasn't coming out with it. And yeah. journalists want to inform, right? Well, I think that her her line, she, she, she fine-tuned it a little bit, that not about collusion, the election, but financially, there is something there. Mm-hmm. And listen, we are seeing evidence of that kind of a, a way of operating on an almost daily basis from this administration. The the infrastructure deal that is long been touted by Donald Trump. We are now learning, and this is, it makes me f- so goddamn angry that the administration is steering money away from much needed projects that happen to be in the districts and states of political opponents and steering money to big money to properties in particular that Jared Kushner owns. Donald Trump changes his mind about a lot of things, but one issue where he's been unwavering is infrastructure. We have to rebuild our country. We have to rebuild our roads and our bridges and our tunnels. We will build new roads and bridges and tunnels and highways all throughout our land. We're going to make our infrastructure uh, modernized. Infrastructure, we're going to start spending on infrastructure big. And not like we have a choice. It's not like, oh, gee, let's hold it off. We can rebuild our crumbling infrastructure and we will. Well, there's a perfect project ready to go right now in Trump's home state, rebuilding the crumbling century-old rail tunnel underneath the Hudson River connecting New York and New Jersey. The tunnel serves about 200,000 passengers every weekday, and it's key to 20% of the nation's GDP. Fixing it seems like a no-brainer, right? So it was, well, surprising when President Trump told Republicans in Congress not to fund a project to build new tunnels. The Washington Post calls it a direct challenge to a key political rival, New York Senator Chuck Schumer, who has been among the most powerful and vocal backers of federal funding for the project. So while a project that Democrats and Republicans say is essential to a fifth of our economy is out, at least for now, there is a smaller one nearby that the Trump administration curiously does seem rather interested in. And would it surprise you if Jared Kushner was somehow involved? That's thing two in 60 seconds. And he comes back from break. (laughs) So Donald Trump is reportedly trying to kill a massive tunnel between New York and New Jersey just to spite Chuck Schumer. But elsewhere in the tri-state area, down the Jersey Shore in Long Branch, the Trump administration is involved in a much smaller infrastructure project, developing a ferry service that would bring passengers to the doorstep of a resort co-owned by none other than Jared Kushner, the president's son-in-law who, along with solving Middle East peace, has been known to advise his pops on infrastructure. The Federal Transit Administration has been advising the town of Long Branch with the project, which, as the AP notes, places the federal government in the awkward position of helping steer a project that would benefit President Donald Trump's son-in-law and senior advisor. Since the value of those condos co-owned by Kushner could rise as much as 50 percent if the project is completed. And given Kushner's role advising Trump on policy issues ranging from Middle East peace to infrastructure, some question whether those small town business ties now pose a conflict of interest. 
rebuilding America, one Kushner project at a time. And they are brazen about this. Unabashed, unashamed of this kind of corruption. Defrauding American taxpayers out of millions of dollars. Jared Kushner taking meetings with financiers in the White House and then, ah, coincidentally, getting a half a billion dollars in loans. $500 million worth of loans for his particular company's projects. Ben Carson ordering a $31,000 dining room set for his office at the uh, Housing and Urban Development. Mm-hmm. And then denying it. Oh, I didn't know about that. What? And now they have emails showing that he knew. He knew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ryan Zinke, the interior secretary, having new doors put in for his office at the interior department to the tune of $139,000. What in the fiddling fuck the, is going on? The interior department, like the interior design department. He's really, <laughs> yeah, I think that's... he's really passionate about design <laughs> so. of interiors. <laughs> um, it's... Or Shulkin from the VA. Flying yeah. here and there and everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> we already lost. We already lost a uh, a, a cabinet secretary, Tom Price, mm-hmm. over his lavish travel. Zinke has had problems with his travel. Pruitt from the EPA, his problems with his travel. Right. Th- this is an abusive, wasteful group of assholes. Shockingly, the only <laughs> one who's not abusing their station and flying everywhere on private jets. Well, they're still flying on private jets, but they're paying for the whole thing is the wealthiest cabinet member, Betsy DeVos, Mm -hmm. who has problems of her own because she's a moron. Anyway, sorry. So it's amazing to me that people are able to ignore all this and continue talking about... Uh, Clinton corruption and yeah. the Clinton Foundation yeah, yeah, and yeah. and all of the corruption within <laughs> whatever the Clintons are involved in, because this is all problematic and you don't hear these talking points being trotted out on Hannity's show, on of course not whoever else Jesse Waters show, <laughs> uh, Laura Ingram's show. You don't you don't hear them talking about these things. However, if if Hillary Clinton were president. And she had cabinet members that were behaving this way. It would be wall to wall on Fox News. She had people connected to her that were doing these things. It would be endless. Yeah. And by the way, CNN would be covering it too. Okay. It would be all over everything. But, and it would but, be justified coverage. Right. But Fox News is choosing to not cover this this kind of stuff. I mean, And when I say Fox News, I'm speaking about the, the talking heads. I'm sure... Shepard Smith is talking about it because he's always <laughs> they're calling for him to be fired. They don't want to hear it. Right. Uh, so it, it's just alarming that there is this disconnection between what people are hearing on one side and people are hearing on the other side. Well, the disconnection falls in that Donald Trump is having Jesse Waters, the ding dong Jesse Waters and Seb Gorka, mm-hmm. who is now a Fox News analyst. Yeah. Over for dinner. 
I know. Can you imagine one that? One on one, a little, little three-way dinner there. Can you imagine that? Jesse Waters is going and having dinner with the president at the White House. You know how many times Anderson Cooper went to the White House for dinner with President Obama and Michelle? Just the, you know, just the three of them having dinner. Right. It didn't happen. Right. Well, it's not even... <laughs> It's not even going to the White House. Anderson has said that he doesn't even go to the White House correspondence dinner. Yeah. The little party that they throw for the journalists. Is it they throw it for the journalists? I, I think that the, it's a mischaracterization to call it a little party. Uh-huh. It's a giant fucking gala. Okay. The giant party that they throw. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't go to that because he, I think he said he went one time and that was enough and that he feels uncomfortable doing it because he it's his job to cover these to cover them and that he doesn't want to develop any kind of friendship with these people when he's in that position of having to he's also a vanderbilt he's above them (laughs) (laughs) but he doesn't act like it right that's the important part so on to the cabinet and this corruption that is endemic is that now we are down a uh Albeit a bad, but a Secretary of State. Rex Tillerson was unceremoniously fired via Twitter the other day. And it took everyone by shock, including him. There is major breaking news this morning from the Trump administration. Just moments ago, the president announced that Rex Tillerson is out as Secretary of State. Ousted would be more accurate here to be replaced by the current head of the CIA, Mike Pompeo. The president says that Gina Haspel, who is currently the deputy director of the CIA, will succeed him as director. All of this is assuming Senate confirmation, and there might be some issues there, which we'll get into in just a moment. So much happening over just the last few minutes. CNN's Abby Phillip at the White House. We understand, Abby, that the Secretary of State was informed of this on Friday. That's right, John. Tillerson was informed while he was traveling in Africa, uh, according to sources, he was told by the president that uh, the president wanted him gone uh, and that that coincided around the same time that we were learning that there were, were going to be negotiations or potentially meet a meeting with North Korea. A senior administration official telling uh, CNN's Boris Sanchez that uh, the president felt like with the North Korea negotiations on the horizon, it was a good time for a transition. Now, this Tillerson departure is something that we have been waiting for and perhaps expecting for several weeks now. Tillerson had told people that he might be only staying in the administration for about a year, uh, and and we were coming well up on that timeline. And beyond that, we know that there were persistent tensions between the president and his secretary of state. They did not see eye to eye on a lot of issues, both on temperament and on policy. And Tillerson, even as recently as the last 24 hours, was contradicting the White House uh, when it comes to the issue of Russia. So we're seeing the president replace him with Mike Pompeo, the current CIA director, someone who has been, we know, has briefed the president in person virtually every day, uh, in part because the president likes the way he is briefed by Pompeo. There's a lot of trust in that relationship. And and in turn, Pompeo also has a lot of respect on the Hill. Uh, there's, uh, I think this partnership between the president and Pompeo is one that has only grown in the last several months. And so it seems in very much a natural 
actual transition here. The president also announcing that he's uh, going to be promoting the current deputy director of the CIA, Gina Haspel, uh, to succeed Pompeo over there. Um, she is a 30-year veteran of the CIA, uh, and as someone who's been in that building for quite some time, uh, th there are some some reports in, about her time as a clandestine agent uh, in that agency where, during the Bush administration when she was part of um, the the sort of uh, the torture pro uh, uh, programs that existed at that time. Uh, so it'll be an interesting confirmation hearing for her, of course. But this is a, a, what, as close to an orderly transition as I think we will get here in this White House. Pompeo moving over from the CIA and the president moving someone up from already within the ranks of, the, of that agency. John. A couple things. First, all that sourcing and that reporting that they did relative to how Tillerson was informed was misdirection. It was incorrect. They were lies. Tillerson didn't find out until President Trump tweeted mm -hmm. that Pompeo would be the new Secretary of State. There are two things to talk about here. One is just generally the fact that Donald Trump is a fucking coward. <laughs> He is not a leader. He is not an adult. He he is not a Harry Truman president where the buck stops here. I make the decisions. I am the president of the United States, formerly leader of the free world. That's not the case anymore. Secondly. Well, wait, it, it speaks to his vulnerable little ego that even being president doesn't doesn't wash away that insecurity. Yeah, it doesn't give him that power to feel as though he's capable of doing those things. Yeah. He's still even though he's been given this power, he doesn't feel like he is powerful enough to do this. And I I have seen people saying the fact that he took this action means that he is growing more comfortable in his position as president. Uh, and I I don't know if I agree with that position. I would agree with that. Yeah, it seems like he would do it, do it face to face. What does he have to be afraid of? You call the guy in the office and say, "Hey, look, this isn't working out. Yeah, uh, this isn't a good fit." Right. You, you would think that a seventy-one-year-old man who's been in business as long as he has doesn't need to send Rex Tillerson a text and say you're fired. Well, he didn't even <laughs> send him a text. He tweeted who the new guy was going to be. Well, I'm I'm saying effectively, it's like he texted him. I mean, can you imagine that? No, I can't because I've actually <laughs> fired people before. And yeah. it's an easy thing. Well, I mean, it's tough because you're firing someone. But there's language that is buffering <laughs> for the uncomfortableness. Yeah. You talk about how it's not a good fit. fit. Mm -hmm. It's not even fair to the person because ah, you you would be happier somewhere else. We This is going to be an amicable split. <laughs> yeah. The other thing to talk about is the fact that the day after, within hours of Rex Tillerson coming out strongly against Russia for their assassination, apparently, of a former Russian spy in the United Kingdom, he's fired. It seems like the one rule that you cannot violate in the Trump administration is to speak ill of Vladimir Putin. Now, look, this morning, I haven't looked into it, but I saw a headline that they have issued new sanctions against Russia that are apparently... I don't know if they're sweeping, but apparently they are stinging. I haven't looked into that. My guess would be it is not at Donald Trump's behest, but maybe to misdirect off of the very large and very justifiable concerns 
that you can't break the cardinal rule, which is leave Vlad alone. That's a problem. The other problem here related to this absence is the fact that Gina Haspel was a an active participant in the program rendition where they would take uh, terror suspects to, to black sites, CIA black sites off of U.S. soil, Saudi Arabia, Thailand, different areas, Singapore, I believe, Malaysia, and torture them. This is a woman who John McCain, Republican John McCain, one of our last living American heroes, John McCain, uh, has very severe reservations about this woman. Rand Paul might hold up her nomination, her confirmation, because of this. This is a woman who advocates for the rampant and overwhelming collection of metadata. She doesn't mind the United States being a surveillance state. We need people in these positions, especially in the clandestine services, who really cherish the Constitution and civil liberties. Enough that they want to walk the tightrope and and have it be a, a balancing act. Look, they got a tough job to do. And fighting against terror and the threat of violence and carnage that it that it poses is a tough job. But they signed up for it. And there's a rule book, the Constitution. You don't agree to play the game. And then throw the fucking rule book out. Mm-hmm. It's important. Right. Well, I I've <laughs> I saw people tweeting, um, why aren't people excited that there's going to be the first woman to run the CIA? <laughs> um, there are some reasons that people are not <laughs> excited. And it's no surprise that Donald Trump would choose someone who was involved in these enhanced interrogation techniques. Well, he wants to murder terrorist families. He wants to torture everybody. Well, he wants to give the death penalty to people who deal drugs. Well, no, he also once explicitly said that torture works. Yeah. Quote, unquote. Right. And then he backed off of that because... It's, well, it's been proven. <laughs> it's been proven not to work. So it, it, it's no surprise that he would choose someone like this because he has said in the past, bring back waterboarding. Okay, so... It's just no surprise that he continues to choose people like this. <laughs> it's also he's such a fucking dullard. He doesn't even understand like the the watered down language. Like someone who's smart who wants to say, "Oh yeah, waterboarding. Well, that's not torture. That's enhanced interrogation." He does. He's not even smart enough to use the wiggle language. Mm-hmm. Well, and like you said, I, I don't know if you know, uh, Donald Trump's a moron. <laughs> <laughs> During her um, Senate confirmation, she's probably going to be asked about this oh, stuff. Yeah, is, she is. is she going to agree to reinstate waterboarding as directed by the president? Does she believe that torture is an effective way to yeah. get information from people? So um, when you were torturing people, Gina, eh, how'd that go? That work? Get a lot of good stuff? There's probably going to be a lot of executive sessions 
uh, in her confirmation. If you are interested in waterboarding, that's a weird way to phrase that. Um, Christopher Hitchens for Vanity Fair got waterboarded. And voluntarily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like you work for Vanity Fair, no, you motherfucker. No, no. He he did a little experiment and I believe it's on YouTube and um he came out of that experience saying, "Yep, this is torture." Yeah. So l- let's move on here uh because we've got some other stuff to cover. Um I was get- I have a clip here talking about how Rex Tillerson's aide, his spokesman, did release a statement saying that Rex Tillerson didn't know about this. In fact, learned about his firing from Twitter and didn't know why he was fired. He wasn't even given a reason. Uh and then that person who gave that statement was summarily fired <laughs> also from the State Department. Huh. I mean it is uh, under the president's purview to fire people uh, who are political appointees because they serve at the pleasure of the president. That's fine. But yeah, I think that it, it's perfectly uh, reasonable to question their motives, to question their their motivations. And in, in this case, I think it's shitty. It's clearly um, a, a selfish move meant to to either punish or divert, you know, a, a, a possible person who's going to be um, telling the truth. And ultimately, that's that's uh, a paramount goal of the Trump administration. So the other thing is, and this isn't getting as much coverage as it probably should because I don't think the details are out there, but there has been another aide fired from the Trump uh, administration because he's under investigation by Homeland Security for financial crimes. We also have breaking details about another sudden dismissal at the White House. A personal aide to President Trump escorted out of the White House under a cloud of controversy. And sources say more moves are coming. Let's go to our White House reporter, Caitlin Collins. Uh, What are you hearing, Caitlin? Well, Wolf, that's right. This aide, Johnny McEntee, is certainly not as much of a household name as the Secretary of State Rex Tillerson was, but he did have a very crucial role in the West Wing, and he was a near-constant presence around President Trump and traveled with him on many occasions, including he was scheduled to travel with him to California today before he was abruptly fired yesterday, escorted off the White House grounds, and today we have learned that he is under investigation by the Department of Homeland Security for what sources say are serious financial crimes. Now, we are told that these crimes are not related to President Trump himself, but Johnny McEntee is very much remaining in the president's orbit because just minutes after this news broke of his departure, the uh, Trump campaign announced that they had hired him to uh, work as a senior advisor for those re-election efforts in 2020. But back here at the White House, this is someone we have just learned did have a permanent security clearance in the West Wing, something that has obviously been in the headlines lately with the uh, resignation of that one top aide who was accused of spousal abuse and with the president's son-in-law and senior advisor, Jared Kushner. So he's very much uh, under scrutiny, but he was someone who was able to secure a clearance wolf, but now he is under the eyes of the Department of Homeland Security. It's certainly becoming uh, something newsworthy, even on Capitol Hill, as the House Oversight Committee, Democrats on the House Oversight Committee, have now sent a letter to the Chief of Staff, John Kelly, requesting documents related to Johnny McEntee's clearance here at the White House. Wolf. So 
this doesn't seem to be something that is going away for them anytime soon. Very strange story indeed. All right, Caitlin, thank you very much. <laughs> Fucking blitz, um, man. So he was... Very strange story indeed. He was escorted out so quickly that he didn't even have time to grab his jacket. He left without his belongings and they had to go back and, and get them. So it's kind of like being thrown out of a bar, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, listen, there are multiple there are multiple things here that, that, that are questions. Is what kind of financial crimes or financial situation is Homeland Security investigating that the FBI or Treasury is not is not investigating? That's strange to me. The second thing would be that he did have a permanent security clearance, which means that he did pass a a protracted, intensive background check by the FBI, the kind of background check that has precluded Jared Kushner from getting a permanent clearance, Ivanka uh, Ivanka Trump from getting a permanent top secret security clearance. Mm -hmm. He was able to pass that. So are these new, are these new problems that have arisen since he got his, his background check done? And thirdly, he's not good enough to work in the White House because of problematic ties financially to whatever Homeland Security is investigating him. And without within hours of his firing, it is announced that he's going to work for the Trump campaign. What the fuck does this guy know? <laughs> that they have to keep him around. He cannot be fired. They need to keep him close. That's the question I have. Rest assured... The media is is digging into this. This is not going away. This is going to be a story over the course of the weeks to come. You're going to be hearing more about Johnny McEntee. Johnny McEntee. <laughs> come on. He should be a DJ. Yeah, wacky morning zoo, everybody. Good times. Hi, Miles. Johnny McEntee coming at you. <laughs> It's the asshole of today. United Airlines. United. Well, United. Yeah, but I think that particular flight attendant is really well. United the has been having a lot of problems, and uh, they're the face smashing airline, huh? Yeah. The yeah. dude who got his nose broken. The mm-hmm. doctor. Yeah. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, but then this new thing that they did, they. Uh, Apparently, this flight attendant told this family that they need to put uh, their their dog in the overhead compartment. Or at least the bag in which the dog resided. Yes. That story we are all talking about uh, here at JMA this morning, that growing outrage in the wake of the United Airlines flight. A family says a flight attendant ordered them to put their dog in the overhead luggage bin. When they landed, they found that tragic outcome. ABC's Lindsay Davis is here with more. Good morning, Lindsay. Good morning, Cecilia. The daughter and mom say that they told the flight attendant twice that they had a dog inside the bag before they were told to put it in the overhead compartment. And they say that they could hear the dog barking, but because of heavy turbulence, no one checked on the dog until the end of the flight. The Castano family loved their puppy, Coquito. A 10-month-old French bulldog, Catalina, and her two young children took Coquito on a family trip to Houston to visit her husband, who's working there. He's a member of our family. 
He was like my brother to me. The trip ended Monday in a nightmare. The dog died in his soft kennel bag after the family and other passengers on the plane said the flight attendant demanded the puppy's carry-on case be removed from under the seat in front of him into the overhead bin. We were going to put him under the seat and then the flight attendants came. She said, but you have to put him up there because it's going to block the path. And we're like, it's a dog, it's a dog. And she's like, it doesn't matter, you still have to put it up there. And she just, put, she helped her put it up and she just closed it like it was a baggage. The dog reportedly barked softly during the first part of the flight, then it stopped. When the plane landed at LaGuardia after three hours, the Castanos discovered Coquito's body and attempted to perform mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. She took him out and opened the thing and then she got the dog and he was dead. United's own policy and that of every other major airline states that animals should be put in kennel bags under the seat in front of them. The airline expressed condolences, saying in a statement that this never should have occurred. Pets should never be placed in the overhead bin. We assume full responsibility. So I know people have experienced this where they have a little bit of an oversized bag that kind of hangs out a little too much under the seat and you get one of those flight attendants that's all about the rules yeah, yeah. and oh it's a little bit over the edge and oh it's going to block your path when the fire occurs and you need to jump out the plane <laughs> and like you're not going to have bigger problems than a, the, the lip of your bag yeah it's a tremendous problem you're going to trip on that it's a very dangerous <laughs> situation when we're plummeting from five miles above the earth toward the earth at hundreds of miles an hour that's going to be a problem yeah use common sense okay <laughs> honestly this is one of those situations where that would have been helpful so it's blocking a little bit that's against the rules okay well it's a dog what do you want me to do i can't put it up there it's gonna die well also united taking full responsibility what exactly does that entail does that mean getting him a new dog because it's not exactly i mean it's probably the best you could do right but uh, well, also it's a bulldog and they oh, have it's extra special for britney well it it is extra special for me but also <laughs> they have a more difficult time breathing yeah on flights and so you add stuffing it in the overhead compartment where i don't think there's any like <laughs> it's not ventilated up there yeah they are just stuck in a box effect i mean you're just trapping them in it's, it's horrible it's like wrapping it in a towel or a rug and then shoving it in your trunk yeah it's horrible yeah. and listening to that child break down and cry i i can't even imagine being on this flight apparently they took the bag out after the flight and they hadn't heard from it for a while it was like crying and then they hadn't heard from it and they took out the bag opened it and the dog was dead, and they just sat there and cried on the plane as everyone just stood in yeah. horror. Unbelievable. <sighs> well, in, in uh, more cheerful news... Taking care of biz. So... Basically, anyone who's ever protested against Richard Spencer, I guess, is taking care of biz. <laughs> you didn't just say Richard Spencer. No, because <laughs> he's not. Um, anyone who has protested against him is taking care of yeah, biz yeah. because he came out and he said that uh, his speeches are now too dangerous and, quote, not fun. 
his speeches, like this latest one where there were like 10 dudes there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. In in an empty theater of people, Mm -hmm. there's like 10 dudes right up in the front row. Yeah. And he's pacing back and forth like he's the the champion orator just giving a, a rousing speech to a full auditorium. Right. So he said that he's considering suspending his alt-right speaking tour because <laughs> of the escalating violence at his appearances and because it's just no longer fun for him. So do you think that's the reason or do you think it's because no one's fucking showing up because he's a goddamn idiot? Well, either way, <laughs> whatever whatever has been going on is working. Whatever the goals were of the protesters yeah, and the yeah. people who go to these events, it's working because he said it's no longer fun for him. So whether it's no longer fun because he fears that he's going to be punched in the face or he feels unsafe or other people feel too unsafe to show up. Well, it, it's good to know that he wasn't doing this to change hearts and minds, but he was doing it for the fun, Brittany. Mm-hmm. It's not fun anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't really care about really changing the the way people think about race and white supremacy. I was I was doing it for the fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and like I said, whatever whatever it is, if he if he is not having a good time because yeah. people show up and chant or they just have a presence there and that makes him feel uncomfortable that he, so he many feels, people come out against him. He feels scared. I'm so scared. Mm-hmm. Yep. Richard Spencer, everybody. That's an impression of All him. right, we are going to leave <laughs> you there. We appreciate your time and your dedication to the show. You're tuning in on a twice-weekly basis. We will be back on Saturday at noon, Los Angeles time, for the live stream with YouTube for the live call-in episode. Remember, 657-464-7609. We'd love to hear from you, both voicemail and voice memos. You can send those to idoubted at dollamore.com. We love you guys. We'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. And now we don't really take time to think about what we're going to say. 